2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Circling the Bases podcast brought to you by NBC Sports Edge. I am your host, Matt Williams. We are here now for the uh, the Fantasy Baseball Recap Show on Monday morning. I'm being joined by a couple of special guests. If anyone who follows me, you saw recently I've been trying to review a lot of the the new content that is out there in the fantasy baseball world. And a lot of people sent me a ton of stuff. And these two in particular sent me that they have a, both a website and podcast. And I personally hadn't seen them before. And I think they're fantastic. So I brought them here to talk some baseball with them, So. Uh, it's the uh, rest of season rankings podcast which of course is great you can figure out what it's about rest of season rankings which everyone always likes and they also have a website which I'll let them describe to you as well so uh, Andrew Seifter which you'll see to me we just talked about mirroring see I messed it up already he's over here (laughs) for anyone listening on audio I'm attempting to point to him and uh, Lauren Auerbach so uh, Andrew welcome to the show I guess we'll, we'll start with you tell us when you started this together, um, you know, where you're going, what you're going to be covering, just kind of give us a background on, on you and how they can follow you.
0: Sure. Well, first off, I want to say uh, I'm what you might call like a longtime listener, first time caller here. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've been playing fantasy football since back in 1999, the Kurt Warner breakout year. I've been doing fantasy baseball since 2004 uh, when I was working for the Boston Red Sox and in their ticket office and they won the World Series. And, uh, you know, Roto World was with me for the entire ride and ever since, Uh, and now NBC Sports Edge, of course. So uh, it's a a thrill to be on the podcast with you, Matt. Um, As far as rest of season rankings podcast, yeah, Lauren and I are old friends. Uh, We've been in fantasy baseball and football leagues for over a decade together. Uh, More recently, we've also been in some fantasy basketball leagues together, too. Uh, So we decided that we would create this new endeavor um, where we would each week, put out new rankings for rest of season value. Uh, of course, starting with baseball here, cause that's the sport going on right now. Uh, we will be doing it for football and basketball as well. Uh, and it's just sort of a great jumping off point for the pod for our podcast to talk about waiver wire pickups, talk about players you might want to buy low or sell high. Um, just having those numbers of the rankings to see where players fit really kind of clarifies where Lauren and I stand uh, on different players. And it helps foster sort of friendly debate and, and what we hope is a entertaining podcast
2: so lauren like uh how how like where where did you guys meet like why are you doing the show together because like i said i've i encourage everyone to download we're going to plug the show throughout the entire podcast today especially at the end everyone listen we want you to follow but uh i mean you have such a great rapport on the air and it's obvious so i assumed you had known each other for a long time and it turns out you you have
3: yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say, Matt, thank you for having us. You know, we, we're just kind of starting to get going, and your recognition and your support is amazing, and we're super excited to have it, and just super excited to be here. Um, but yeah, Andrew and I used to work together a long time ago, um, I don't know, like 10, 15 years ago. Something like um, that. Yeah, something like that. And, um, you know, we just always would find ourselves at parties or, you know, even at work um, kind of bantering about sports. And, um, you know, at one point, he's like, you know what? you know I think it would be great to come into a couple of of my fantasy leagues you know he's had these home leagues forever and I was like sure why not you know I've always been a sports fan ever since I was little um and so that's kind of where we got started and we you know would always kind of talk about um hey you know we should do a podcast sometime and we just it was always just talk and um we actually, you know, is like during covid, we're like, let's figure it out, let's figure out how to do this. And so here we are.
2: That's awesome. And uh we will we'll plug all your stuff at the very end for anyone who's sure. interested. Uh you're listening right now, the 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 tags, the Twitter handles for the and uh, how to find the show on the website. That will all be in the show notes. I'll put it in the um, on the website. It'll be on my Twitter handle. It'll be everywhere. You'll be able to find Great. it. Don't worry. Great. All right. So, um speaking of rest of season rankings because we're here to talk about baseball. Do you guys do Because rec- I know you just started. You just launched the website. Did you do full season rankings before the season started? We did. Uh, yeah,
0: we 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 uh, hadn't launched our website yet when the season started, so those were kind of secret. Although I do, I am one of those people that submits their rankings to Fantasy Pros uh, to measure the accuracy. Uh-huh. So my rankings will uh, live in the permanent record for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Lauren, do you do you guys do your own like? do you put your individual rankings or do you come to a consensus between the two of you on the web, like as far as on your website?
3: We do individual. And then we've got, you know, algorithms that figure out where everything gets placed once it gets put input, you know, input in the spreadsheets.
2: Okay. Well, I guess first question, just, I guess, individually, then off the top of your head, maybe like one or two, what are players that you feel you were right on? Like maybe above consensus, you know, no one's, alone on a player, but is there anyone you feel proud to have been high on Andrew uh, before the season started with how they're doing right now? Sure. Yeah,
0: I was very high on Jared Walsh. Uh, He's just a player that had been very great in a small sample of games. And I feel like most people uh, across the fantasy industry maybe weren't believing in that so much. Um, But I think this year we've seen that was really no fluke. Um, and then a couple guys, you know, I tend to like players who get sort of forgotten about. Um, so Trey Mancini and Mitch Haniger were a couple of players who had missed entire seasons. And I think it's sort of uh, flown under the radar for that reason that uh, people were just not really uh, remembering how good they were for fantasy back um, before their absence. Um, and then for some reason, Shohei Otani, I mean, I, I didn't feel like I was particularly high on him, but... Uh, If you look at uh, the fantasy pros rankings and me versus the expert consensus, I was like 300 spots higher on him than anybody else. And I think it was just uh, as a hitter I'm I'm talking about here. And I think it was just because, um, you know, I I never really expected what we've seen so far this year. I won't lie about that. But um, if you look at what he did his first two seasons as a hitter, I mean, he was basically on a 30 home run, 20 stolen base pace. And I was like, and he can hit like 285. And I was like, that's great for fantasy if he just does that again. So I wasn't expecting what he's done so far, but I apparently uh, was a lot higher on him than a lot of folks.
2: I'm ashamed to say I was completely out on Otani. And this is from someone who literally two weeks ago wrote an entire article on how he's like the greatest player of all time, basically. <laughs> uh, so uh, it just, I assumed PRP injections and, and escaping around <laughs> surgery. It just never works out. And he's just, it's amazing. Yeah, You mentioned Trey Mancini. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a Mets fan. Everyone knows that. So I'll be rooting for Pete Alonso in the home run Derby, but I mean, Trey Mancini is going to be in there now. How can you not pull for that guy? Uh, Lauren, what are, what are you some of, what are some of the the players you were right on in the preseason?
3: Um, you know, it's, I was, I was a big fan of Pablo Lopez in in the off season. And I know some people were like, yeah, you know, he, he he's going to be good. But um, I think that I really had him bumped up really high in my rankings and uh, you know, he doesn't get a lot of win support, um, but he's been great. And I've, I've been happy to kind of push him. I feel like I have to, you know, kind of push him up. I'm like, yeah, go, 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 go up the ranks, you know? And I, you know, kind of, and that was one of my, um, you know, first guys that I really liked. I also was a big fan of Jesse Winker. You know, I thought he was going to be like a sneaky source of of runs. And I think a lot of people thought maybe he would get uh, they wouldn't play him against lefties or that the outfield was too crowded. Um, And but he's now I didn't expect him to to play as well necessarily as he is right now, especially like in his batting average. But um, I'm I'm always kind of happy to see him uh, doing things on the on the diamond. So
2: Winkers having an amazing year. He has like a Mm -hmm. force. He's like a 470 Woba against the shift. (laughs) Crazy. Which is yeah. which is crazy. Uh, Pablo Lopez actually I have a cool story because I write all of, in the offseason. I do the player threads like the 25 mm-hmm. post threads breaking down players individually for the preseason. Pablo Lopez actually I never told anybody this is the first time I'm actually telling you he actually DM me in the preseason saying how much he loved it. And uh, how it was something that really made him think, and I wrote all in there that he needed to throw more changeups because of how amazing it was, and he's doing it. So I'm like,
3: nice. pretty positive. I had
2: nothing to do with me, but <laughs> well, like one percent. I'm like, yeah, I totally. Yeah. T- I told Tombo to throw more changeups, and he's totally doing it because of me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> nice. uh, Andrew. What are some players you were dead wrong on? Because actually, I think this is more important. If you hear an analyst that is just telling you all the right things, are doing. Don't trust him. <laughs> yeah, right. the, like Mm-mm. you gotta, you gotta own what you're doing wrong. I mean, although Absolutely. I should say the, the big L I was riding all season was Luis Castillo, but that is apparently, you know, <laughs> to be determined, he's a, he was a beast in June. So um, yeah, who are you wrong on? Who are you ashamed of?
0: I hear you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, and that's part of the reason that you know I, I do these fantasy pros rankings because my grade's gonna come out next year and we'll see how I really mm-hmm. did, you know. Uh, there's no hiding behind that. Um, but, you know, I'm down here in Washington, D.C., and I have to admit there were a couple Nationals players uh, that I was pretty excited about coming into the season that have really not panned out. Uh, one of them is Josh Bell. Uh, I was sort of thinking, you know, he had that one great year in Pittsburgh uh, two years ago. Uh, last year was a shortened season with COVID. It just seemed like a an anomaly. And I thought maybe a change of scenery would be really good for him. I and was he, with
2: you. I was with yeah. you. Hey, just changing the bad, such a bad lineup in Pittsburgh to coming over to Washington. It's, it made sense. It made sense for him. to. Yeah. It should have
0: been high on Kyle Schwarber instead, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other one is uh, Patrick Corbin, uh, who of course has been a really valuable fantasy starter at various points in his career. Um, but because he is really a two pitch pitcher, I feel like he has a very uh, slim margin for error, And uh, when he's bad, he tends to be really, really bad. And that's really what we've seen this season. So uh, those two Nationals players sort of keep me up at night a little bit.
2: (laughs) All right, Lauren, who are are you ashamed of this season? Who did you put your stamp on or someone you passed on maybe that you were just dead wrong on?
3: I'll give you a couple that I passed on. And one is also growing up in kind of you know, growing up living in the DC area. Um, I have been allergic to um kind of Orioles pitching. And I didn't really get in on well, he was a former Oriole, Kevin Gaussman, but because it was because he played in you know in Baltimore for so long, I was just like, nah, nah, you know, I'm not believing the 2020 season, you know. And um, I think that, that was just I just wasn't getting into it. And now I'm on the Gossman train, you know, I mean, it's like, woohoo, let's go Kevin, you know? <laughs> um, and then I also, you know, I was really down on Car- Carlos Correa. Um, in fact, I think in, in my player notes, you know, I had said something like, you know, he doesn't really stand out in one category. Um, you know, he's always injured. He gets between like 20, 23 home runs, um, a season. Um, but you can't get a lot of counting st- stats out of him because he's, he's, he's off the field. And, um, I, this this year, I mean, he's batting 305. He already has 15 home runs. If he stays healthy, you know, I think that he easily will have, you know, a, for a combined run and RBI, you know, 180 plus uh, number. So um, I'm wrong on him unless he gets injured, but I don't want him to be injured because it's been fun watching him do that. But La- I was Lauren like, oh, just jinxed Carlos
2: Correa. She literally just did it.
3: <laughs> no, you see, yeah. So tomorrow. <laughs> He's going
2: down, you know? Yeah. Uh Carlos Correa, he stands out in one category. You're wrong about that. He stands out in wanting to make money in free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's owning that category this year. So mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah, good for good for him. Yeah, I I was I was out on both the guys you mentioned. Kevin mm-hmm. Gaussman, just because I didn't disbelieve what he did. I just thought he was ramping up a little much in the shortened season, like with the velocity, and I didn't know how he'd hold up our full season. We still don't know, but I mean he's gone long enough for me to. Definitely have taken a loss. Yeah. Um. Like you in in Correa, it was more. Yeah, the injuries. Mm -hmm. He was always injured. He was always injured. He flashed. And then last year he wasn't injured, but he was terrible. (laughs) So, I mean, that was a combination I wasn't ready for. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So, yeah, we've already spent like maybe, maybe too much time on this topic. I wanted to spend like five (laughs) minutes, but anyone who listens to Circling the Bases with me knows. If I have great guests though, we'll run behind. Uh, Before we continue on, I'm going to give a special uh, discount code to our listeners. Uh, If you uh, follow the content on NBC Sports Edge and you want to get into the premium, use promo code BASIS10, get 10% off any tier annual or monthly for NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, anything. Uh, you get in there for uh, for betting, DFS. Um, George Montanez does a great bullpen piece for baseball. There's a lot of great stuff behind there. So, uh, yeah, you can use basis co- uh, promo code BASIS10, get 10% off anything on the site. All right, getting into the weekend recap. Um, the the one, the episode I listened to, the first episode I listened to, you guys were going on about the, uh, the foreign substance crackdown. Mm-hmm. like like a lot of people so they finally got one today i don't know <laughs> if they got one legitimately or not but hector santiago was flagged and removed from a game they confiscated his glove mm-hmm. afterwards they he says it's rosin and sweat um so you know to be determined but who, who had hector santiago on their bingo card as being the first person flagged uh andrew who well i can't
0: say i'm surprised that it's a a small fish they went after first (laughs) you know this is sort of like a testing ground i know that it's in the collective bargaining agreement so technically they have you know mlb has that authority to do this but um, it, there's it's just been such a strange situation. I mean, that whole thing that happened, uh, with Joe Girardi and Max Scherzer. I mean, it was just are we in this place now where a pitcher now looks like a criminal? You know, I mean, they're being patted down by the umpires based on the whims of the opposing manager. It, it's a very strange thing, especially to happen in the middle of the season. So, I, I feel like this might be a little bit of a test run to go after somebody who doesn't necessarily have the stature of a Trevor Bauer, who's going to take the social media and create a firestorm if they go after him, although Lauren, they have done Lauren, that before.
2: Lauren, how'd you feel about the Joe Girardi thing? Because we're going to talk about Aaron and I had joked online during his, his record-breaking strikeout streak, which we'll talk about that. you know, What if Mets manager Luis Rojas demanded to check Aaron Nolan in the middle of that? How much would Joe Girardi have freaked out? Because it was against the uh, the Phillies. Uh, do you, do you believe in gamesmanship or do you think that doing this is just wrong? Where do you, where do I you I feel like he uh,
3: would, what, what Joe Girardi did?
2: No, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. The uh, call, you yeah, basically taking advantage because there is a rule within the rule saying that if you do this in bad faith, you'll be ejected. The manager, like you're technically not allowed to do it to for gamesmanship, but unfortunately that's hard to prove.
3: <laughs> I think he, like, I, I think that Girardi, um, wanted to mess with Max Scherzer, you know, and I think that he knew that, that, um, you know would kind of get at him but unfortunately you know living in dc it's mad max and he gets angry and you don't want to go against mad max so um i actually don't think it was a was a good strategy and um you know i don't think that uh you you should really be doing that i think you can pick and choose your moments i guess but i think it's bad to try and you don't want to make mad max angry you know
2: yeah. There's certain people to make mad. He's not one of them. I mean, yeah. The, yeah, literally, I mean, the crazier he gets, the more dominant he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. It's, and he's it's got pretty, the eyes,
3: you know, yeah, Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah.
2: Uh, so Aaron Nola, yeah, 10 strikeouts in a row ties Tom Seaver for the most strikeouts in a row ever. Um, and again, I, I tweet this. this. Uh, this is a, an important caveat because it's interesting. Um, Tom Seaver did strike out the final 10 of a game, which is always like, that's always like, Oh, how many more can he have had? But I mean, and Ten strikeouts in a row is pretty pretty amazing. I mean, I I would argue much more amazing than a no hitter. I mean, you know, it's obviously this record has stood for a long time. Uh, so, Andrew, what do you think of Aaron Nola going forward? Because before this dominating performance, uh, he he looked awful. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he he pretty much was like you know good or bad, but uh, he was just very inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I mean, his surface numbers were certainly not very good. But I think if you look at his peripheral numbers, uh, even before that outing. Uh, I don't see a lot to object to. I mean, actually, they look very similar to the rest of his career, and maybe even better. Uh, his walk rate now is at 2.18 walks per nine, which is the best mark of his entire career. Uh, his strikeout rate, uh, of course, boosted by those ten straight Ks you talked about, but uh, you know, it's over ten Ks per nine, uh, just like it has been the last couple of years. Uh, his all of his, you know, ERA indicators, whether it's expected ERA, FIP, XFIP, they all point to a pitcher who has pitched better than uh, the, the ERA indicates, and it's hard to really figure out why, um, he struggled. I mean, his BABIP is a little bit high, um, but not exceptionally. So I just feel like it's one of those situations where he's run into a couple of rough outings here and there. Um, but I was, even before this outing, I was not r- at all worried about Aaron Nola and I hadn't really moved him down my rest of season rankings too far.
2: Any, uh, what are your, what are your take on uh, Aaron Nola? Just, uh, Lauren, just because he's, he's an interesting, He's an interesting player because he was basically going at the one-two turn in most leagues, along with Bauer, Luis Castillo, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Udarvish around there. So, I mean, you know, he's basically – I don't want to say no one was was as disappointing as Castillo early, but Nola just kind of kept this going on. And I guess he killed any chance of a buy-low opportunity with one game, which is hard to do, but he managed to.
3: Right. Yeah, and you know, I actually, you know, I I will kind of go against Andrew a little bit. Just I am a slightly worried he's going to go down a little bit in my rankings. I think, um, not not a ton, but I think you know. I guess like my concern with him is that he's his ground ball uh, rate has dropped from like a career 49.6 to 41.1%. And with NOLA, that was one thing that I was always like, okay, well, like he at least gets ground balls because he's pitching in Citizens Bank ballpark. And um, you know, that's a hitter's park. And so I don't like to see that number plus, and, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit, you know, that bullpen is a mess. And I think that, um, you know, even if he's Nola's pitching well, uh, who knows if he's going to, you know, get the win or what's really going to go on. So, um, he, I, I, am going to probably take him down just, just a touch, um, uh, rest of the season. So, uh, the only reason I wouldn't, I mean, I
2: I don't I'm not, I don't even make my own rankings, so it's like there, I have nowhere to move him. I think I am fine, just keeping him where he is, only because his chase rate is still pretty good compared to what compared to last year. It is it is above the rest of his career average. his, his actual end zone contact is lower than last year? Uh, it's the lowest it's been in like three years. It's swinging straight. He's he's fine. As a Mets fan, I wish he wasn't as fine, but I have plenty of shares on fantasy. So I mean. Let's, actually, let's pause the show. How do you guys deal with that? I always forget to ask analysts this. What's more important to you, fantasy or your own team? Andrew, you can go first here. I mean, because I, the Mets, that is me. I, I don't care if I go, if I have 16 leagues, I go for 16 if the Mets win the World Series. <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 I'm my team first, but there's plenty of people that don't think that.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I have to be honest. I'm I'm pretty obsessed with my fantasy teams. Mm-hmm. The thing is, uh, you know, the nice part about it really is once you get to the playoffs, fantasy's over anyway. So, you know, one regular season baseball game isn't usually going to make or break your team. So if if you've got the opposing pitcher on your fantasy team going against your team, do you really want them to get bombed? I don't. You know, I want them to do well. Uh, I I still feel like if my team is good enough to make the playoffs, they're going to make the playoffs, and then my fantasy team will win its championship, and my real team can win its championship.
2: Mm. Way to way to way to be right in the middle of there, Lauren. <laughs> are you in the middle? You have, a, you have a definitive answer for us.
3: I I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of my team basically, and um, I think you know I'm always going to. What do you mean?
2: You mean your, your uh, like MLB team or fantasy team?
3: A uh, fantasy, a uh, real team. Sorry, real okay. team. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be kind of rooting for, for the players on that um, over over fantasy. So Why don't hopefully. you
0: tell him what your real team you root for is and it will
2: really make him upset.
3: Oh, right. Yeah, the Braves. Oh. Yeah, uh, little rivals. Yeah.
2: I actually don't dislike the Braves that much. I mean, in the, uh, the John Rocker days, yeah, they were a bit annoying. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, now I, I basically, my number one team I don't like is actually the Phillies. I don't know what um, I mean. Like I know a lot of yeah. a lot of Mets fans really don't like the Yankees, and you know still don't like the Braves. But yeah, I don't know. It's the Phillies. Yeah. I think that Jimmy Rollins Chase Utley team turned me sour on them because I grew up here in Philly. The '93 team with Dalton and Crook. I love that team. Actually, mm-hmm. I mean they were fun. Uh, but uh yeah, the the, the Chase Utley squad really. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. All right, <laughs> moving on. Garrett Cole. Speaking of foreign substance, you got torched on Sunday uh he looks like he's gonna have a meltdown like legitimately um i'm talking like emotional meltdown this this guy's gonna crack which is unfortunate uh he's not the same i i'm actually having a piece come out on nbc where i'm gonna go into the specifics of who is actually changing the way they pitch because of the foreign substance not who's getting worse but because of this who's actually changing what they're doing and he's not changing what he's doing much his change he started throwing his changeup less in his first start since the crackdown which was a great pitch for him but it seems like he's just throwing his fastball but instead of rising it's now not rising and it's just falling into the strike zone which you'll see in rafael devers he threw a ball right down the very center of the plate and it got taken i don't know 950 feet so uh we're talking about concerned about Aaron Nola. I, I think Garrett Cole's ERA was like one in the first month, two in the second month, and now it's like five for June. So, um, I guess starting with you this time, Lauren, Garrett Cole, are you concerned rest of the season or do you think he'll figure this out?
3: Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I actually, I just have a quick question for you, because Pre- I thought then if, if he's not changing yet, because then you had like Tyler Glasnow saying, well, I have to change it. And because I was trying to change how I was I'm pitching. sorry, I,
2: I meant uh pitch mix Uh the, in terms oh, of um, okay. because of some pitchers don't. I mean, the, some people would assume you're using a substance. All your pitches are going to be bad. Some pitcher, some pitches only used it on one particular pitch. You'll see like their RPMs are way down on just like one per- uh, curveball or change up. Um, he hasn't really changed as far as his attack plan. There's been a lot of pitchers and I said I have this article there's been a lot of pitchers that have legitimately changed what they're doing there some pitchers have just abandoned a certain pitch or throwing mm-hmm. one more uh, so when I say he hasn't changed I only meant uh, his attack plan but yeah as far as the grip like you said with Tyler mm-hmm. glass now uh, yeah I mean that is a totally big problem and, and also um, uh, control issues where you yeah. know people just aren't gripping them as well and there's a few pitchers like that as well.
3: Well, I guess it's kind of like that kind of saying, you know, you have to, you know, it's like you, you're going to have to adapt or die, right? And so it's like, if he's maybe not going to kind of change, um, and maybe he should, um, and if you're starting to see kind of negative results, then yeah, I think that he ticks down. I mean, Andrew and I were talking about this a little while ago, and it's like with that and spin rates, and do you start looking at some of this stuff, and then do you start tweaking, you know, that fantasy wise, you know, and can you, is that a viable strategy? And, um, you know, but I, yeah, I think that he's probably going to have to change if he's seeing negative results, you know?
2: What do you think, Andrew? I mean, it's kind of like aging pitchers, like Bartolo Colon at one point, you just got to realize you don't have, at a, when you're aging, you have to realize you don't have like a killer fastball or something anymore. And I think some of the pitchers are going to have to do that. Like they can't elevate a fastball. If it's not going to rise, they need to either throw it higher or they need to just change what they're doing because there's ways to succeed. There's been plenty of pitchers that have had their stuff come way down and they still have managed to be mm-hmm. successful with a proper game plan.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to be really interested to see what you put out on this because I, I'm, I'm very data driven in my analysis. I don't want to live on narrative street, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that we can, We can fall into that trap sometimes uh, with guys who are highly associated uh, with the sticky stuff or with spin rates, which is Trevor Bauer, which is Garrett Cole. Now, if you look at the numbers, Trevor Bauer was far and away Mr. Spin Rate, like far and away. Every single pitch he throws was in the top three for spin rate. Uh, Garrett Cole's not quite that extreme, but there is a high correlation between when his spin rates really increased and when he became a fantasy ace, we're talking 2018, 2019 Uh, it's, it's very clear to see Um, now as, as a fantasy manager, the way that I look at it is I accept the fact that I don't know. I don't know that this, this start he just had was his first bad start he's had in his last four or five. He's Mm -hmm. actually been continuing to get good results. So, I don't know if he's going to fall off a cliff. I, I wouldn't bet on that necessarily, but the way I approach it as a fantasy manager is it's a question mark that exists. So if I can trade him, if I can get a player that is of, of similar caliber, maybe even a slight slight downgrade just to get rid of that risk of that uncertainty, I'll do that. Um, but I, I'm not going to go out there and say that I have any certainty that uh, he's going to suddenly uh, have a five ERA the rest of the season or anything like that. I'm not ready to say that.
2: I think uh, a thing to look out for is uh, pitchers like they Trevor Bauer is a good example. Uh, you can live without the, uh, the sticky stuff and you can still be effective. If you still have your swing and miss material, you can see that they're going to be okay. But I think the big tell um, that you can overlook is the home run ball because some of these guys already gave up home runs. I mean, some of the best pitchers in baseball, Scherzer, Verlander, at their best give up home runs if you are used to doing all this stuff and getting as much spin as they are, and that a little bit of that goes away, the mistakes are going to happen even more. I don't know if they'll happen at a higher rate, at least at this, this level for the entire season, but They're going to happen definitely more in the immediate future. So the home runs don't bother me as much, even if they result in a poor game, like the three home runs versus the Boston for Cole today. I'm not saying that it did not look bad and he is frustrated, but I think the home run ball is something that doesn't worry me rather than like, you know, someone who's losing their control completely or just giving up like, like, you know, base hit after base, after base hit. Um, So in general. You know, <laughs> we'll see. It's only been one week, uh, but you know the article. And I, God, I hope no one overreacts to this article. It's one <laughs> start, some yeah. have two. This is just looking for things to 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 check out going forward. This isn't you know everyone used this stuff. I don't I don't think anyone should be called a cheater. They were encouraged. I mean, was it um, mm-hmm. Zach Allen? He said the the former GM of the Marlins encouraged them to use this while well in the mm-hmm. minor league system. There's a lot of stuff. Out there. I mean that's you know hearsay so you know that's not uh been proven but that's what have been said so moving on to someone who i don't think has been using sticky stuff john gray uh, he has <laughs> his own problems typically five innings 10 strikeouts uh zero earn runs zero walks versus the brewers he had 17 swings and misses for the year 397 era 126 whip which is great for him uh, especially pitching half his game at course field he gets the pirates next which is fantastic for fantasy He's got to be leaving town finally, which seems like we're on year 25 of John Gray should be traded at the trade deadline. Uh Lauren, do you trust John Gray? He looks he looks pretty good here like if you're if the Braves the Braves need a pitcher. Everyone yeah. needs a pitcher. So, you know, scratch that. Literally everyone needs a pitcher. Would you be excited to get John
3: Gray? Um First of all, I swore off John Gray fantasy wise, like a couple years ago. I was like, no, like you just, you know, too too unpredictable. Right. Um, But then um, I listen, he's, he's, I've, I've, I roster him now. So he's had like a decent season, but the problem is he's pitching better. You know, he's like all of the Rockies, they're pitching better at home versus away and his split you know for home versus away is a 325 era away versus a 523 5 sorry 532 era away so if he leaves cores this it doesn't look like that will be good for him this this season you know
2: although don't you believe in the hangover where they say that it's not necessarily a home or away thing like they said with the hitters uh there was this report out last year where mm. uh, if you had a home stand at cores the pitcher was the hitter was like terrible. It's first game away. It was a little better. It's second game away by the third game away. They're almost normal. So it's almost like this kind of hangover effect. Like, I'm just wondering if he figured out how to pitch at home and he just can't mm-hmm. handle. Yeah. Or, or if he, you know, it's, it's Maybe. just so tough. It's just so tough to gauge these things.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I mean, he's pitching, he's pitching well this season, you know, and he has a career, he's, he's rocking a career high 52.8% ground ball rate, which is what you want, you know, at Coors. Um, but I still think there's a big enough difference in that kind of home in a way split ERA where I'm like, eh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if I want, if I want my Braves to uh, get John Gray.
2: All right Andrew uh your favorite team what is your favorite team cuz we talk you just like you like the Nationals you like the Red Sox you like I the know, Indians I'm-
0: yeah. I mean, I grew up as a Red Sox fan up okay. growing up in Boston. Um, I have some older cousins who brainwashed me into like the Indians in the nineties, <laughs> went to uh, the world series in 95 to watch the Indians Braves. Is that Manny uh,
2: Tomei Bell? Oh yeah. I saw oh. Jim
0: Tomei Homer off Greg Maddox in game five of 95. Yeah. Um, and then now in, in DC, I enjoy the nationals too. Um, so I'm kind of lame that way. Uh, if you yeah, do you it, have if
2: anyone I, you consider number one?
0: Well, it, it depends. Like when I was growing up, I, I, you know, I would get in arguments with friends in high school because I liked the Indians. Uh, but now that I've been away from Boston, I have all my hometown pride and I'm back to kind of where I started as like a six-year-old rooting for Roger Clemens and loving the <laughs> Red Sox again. So well, this, I guess that question, would be my answer.
2: This question can work for both the Nationals and, and Red Sox because they both need a starting pitcher as as every single team in the in the Major League Baseball does. Would you rather they go out and give up legitimate prospects and capital to get someone like Jose Barrios or maybe even Kyle Gibson, who is pitching so well, we'll talk about him in a second. The Rangers are going to be able to get quite a bit for him. So would you rather like, let's take Barrios out. I mean, he's a really quality pitcher. Let's take Gibson because he's more of a question mark. Would you rather them pay up and give up a legitimate prospect for Kyle Gibson? Or are you confident enough in John Gray to bring him in at, you know, probably something that's not going to sting at all?
0: Can I say neither?
2: <laughs> oh, you know, you know I love Gibson. You know, I mean, we're to talk about. Let's dive into it. Okay. I mean, well seven, so seven well, innings, ten strikeouts versus the Royals, two ERA, 101 whip. Yeah. He looks he I mean he's he added the cutter. He looks great.
0: I mean, I'm all for, like, riding the hot hand of Kyle Gibson as a fantasy manager. I'm not going to argue against rostering him. Can and you call him it a hot hand runner? at this
2: point? We're basically, like, we're basically, like, the entire 20 we're, – we're well past where the 2020 season was. Like, imagine if this was 2020 and he ended the season with this.
0: Yeah, I understand that, but I mean would his his would BABIP allowed more. is two his BABIP allowed right now is two forty. His career BABIP allowed is over three hundred. Uh, you know he's still not striking anybody out. In fact, he's striking out fewer batters now than he did the last three years. You know, um, you know all the indicators suggest that he's due for a pretty substantial amount of regression. So I just from a fantasy perspective, like I said, ride the hot hand. From a real life perspective, I don't want the Red Sox trading. Valuable assets to get a guy like Kyle Gibson because I don't, I'm not going to trust that you can rely on him in a key playoff game. Like if you're going to, for me, with uh, acquiring starting pitchers in real baseball, I feel like you go big or you go home. You know, it's you don't want to acquire third, fourth starters and give up, you know, young prospects who could start who could turn into stars down the road, like. Pay more and get more sure things. So if you can get Jose Burrios, by all means, go get Jose Burrios. But guys like John Gray, Kyle, I mean, Kyle Gibson is is better than John Gray. But uh, I, I just I'm still not there in, in wanting to give up, you know, sell the
2: home to get that. Lauren, talk some sense to him. Are you a <laughs> Kyle Gibson fan?
3: I am a Kyle Gibson fan. And actually one thing that I've learned doing this rest of season stuff with Andrew, and I thought, you know, he really depresses, I think, the value of, of non-strikeout pitchers, you know, and basically I think what I thought Andrew would say was that, um, you know, this is great. You can be a ratio stabilizer, but he's not striking enough guys out. And so he's probably more viable, say in a points league versus a standard five by five. Um, And I, listen, I think Gibson, I, I'm all for Gibson this season. I think that if you we had started out this podcast and you were like, "Who are you right about?" and I said Kyle Gibson, you guys would be like, "What? No." You know, it's just like it's one of those things where is he? Is this his? Has he figured things out, or is this an outlier outlier year? I don't really care because I'm enjoying it and I'm I'm happy for Gibson. Um, but I, I think I do like Gibson a little bit more than Andrew does.
0: I just uh, just to say this though here, I mean, like Kyle Gibson, like. He, the, the thing about the strikeouts and the walks is like, that's the thing that you can control the most. And there are like, I, I know we're in, I know we're in late June, but we're still talking about a relatively small sample size compared to his entire career. You know, so like we have to, we, we have to put these things if, in perspective. If, if there's
2: a tangible change, can't you throw out the career though?
0: Well, but, but what if all the underlying numbers suggest regression though?
2: Yeah, but I, I mean, mean he's a two he has a 2 ERA is expected ERA is 3.26. I mean yeah, his strand
0: rate that. is 85%. I mean that's Well, no,
2: I like, mean I think that's enough to raise a 2 to a 3.26. I'm just saying I'm happy with a 3.26. <laughs> Give me the 3.26. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I mean that's fair. Like here let me put it this way. The guy that I want like the guy that I believe in that's like that is the other Kyle, Kyle Hendricks, and it's because he's done it year after year after year, so you know he's going to do it. Even though he doesn't get the strikeouts, he has shown me enough that I believe that he's a craftsman as a pitcher I don't I, I haven't seen enough from Kyle Gibson yet I guess you have Matt but I haven't seen enough yet to to, to trust that I guess is what I'm saying
2: I definitely don't.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh,
1: Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil
2: Trust it. I just believe. I guess uh, because I mean Kyle Hendricks has been around a while. I don't think you should. I don't think. I mean, if, if a team's acquiring a pitcher, I don't think you should compare the two. But uh, like I said earlier, he 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 brought in that cutter, which a lot of people who th- look into pitch mix changes, you'll notice he added a cutter. Right now, he's only thrown it thirteen percent of the time. It's his fourth most thrown pitch, except last year he had the slider and changeup is basically his own only two. Pitches that were solid as far as swing and miss 39 37.9% whiff rate for The slider 31.3 for the changeup. all of a sudden you add the cutter which Again mixed in with the slider uh, just makes the slider that much stronger Slider this year with a 46% whiff rate the cutter itself is 34.2 but it's not that the individual pitch made him good. I think it just made the rest of his arsenal well, where he keeps pumping those sinkers 34% of the time and he has a slider change of cutter coming at you. I, I just think that uh he just has a really nice game plan. And I I know they're gonna trade him. I hope he gets a chance to shine. Um it's he's gonna be expensive, which which is why I kind of agree with you. I doubt he's gonna, I doubt he, I'd be comfortable with what it'd cost to get him because I just know he's gonna cost a lot if Barrios is is not available for the Twins, I mean, who's who's out there? Kyle Hendricks might be might have been, but preseason. God, why did the Cubs get rid of you, Darvish and uh, and Schwarber <laughs> for no reason? What, what were they thinking? But um, anyway, uh, I guess I guess we will moving on here. Uh, a couple of other pitchers. I guess no, just one more. before we move on, Zach Thompson. Talk about out of nowhere. 11 strikeouts versus the Nationals in six innings, 38% CSW, which is called Strikes Plus Whiffs, who's, who's not um, familiar with that. And he's basically been Kyle Gibson over his last four starts, two ERA, one whip. Uh, Lauren, I don't know how much you even looked into Zach Thompson because he's not on no one's really anyone's radar uh, before this last start. Is, is this something that uh, – did you get a chance to watch him pitch? Is he someone that uh, you're interested in?
3: Yeah, you know, he he hasn't been on our rankings. He is just kind of like this new guy. I, one, I think we could do a whole segment, you know, on the Marlins rotation mm. and their depth. You know, like, like it's just fascinating. It's like they bring up these guys and they yeah, all like Cody prove. Petit. You know, who, it's who's, crazy. Who's
2: their who's their main guy? Um, Craig Mish. When they brought yeah. up Cody Petit, he quote tweeted him like, "I have no idea who this guy is." <laughs>
3: yeah, and like he
2: comes I, up and he does well.
3: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's, he has, you know, 18 innings under his belt, but, um, you know, he's, he's off to a fast start and he's got that high strikeout right now, 34.2%. And, you know, his, his, um, you know, kind of estimators are in the, in the mid threes and yeah, why not? I think that, you know, pick him up, see what happens, you know, why not? I mean, because I think that there is upside there and it's not really going to cost you anything. So, uh, yeah. Uh, "Eh,
2: not so much or what? No, no. I, I, I like them. No, no. I'm, I'm, Mm. it's just, um, rookies and people with no experience of it's been an interesting year. I'm, I'm all for investing and I'm interested to see what the fab bidding is. We're Mm. recording this on Sunday night. It won't go out till Monday morning. So the fab is come and gone. I'm very, very interested to see how much he goes for. I'm willing to bet, like, way, way more than he should, uh, which is probably going to leave me on the outside looking in. I put in some, you know, honest bids to make sure that for some reason if he, like, slipped through the cracks, I got him. But, um, yeah, we'll see I, how he I'm goes. I'm in,
0: man. I'm in. You're You're in. One. Yeah, because this guy strikes batters out. So I'm in I'm in, I'm in. I I don't want to sound like a broken record, but like his K rate. Hold on, you so is you like you
2: like strikeouts regardless of anything else. Is this your year for Robbie Ray? Like, have you been in on him for like the last 10 no, years? No,
0: no, no, no. I don't know. No, no.
2: Not in, in no, I like strikeout
0: to walk ratio, is He's what a I like. But 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 Robbie Ray has actually really cut down on the walks this he year. Is. So yeah, I do buy what Robbie Ray's doing this season. Um, but with Zach Thompson. I'm going to echo what Lauren said. I mean, I just think the Marlins have just become a great situation uh, to cult. They just seem to know how to cultivate young pitching and it's a great um, division. Uh, There's some, some bad offenses in that division. Uh, It's a great, it's, it's a great ballpark for pitchers. Um, So it's just a very favorable environment and he's getting the strikeouts. His walk rate is manageable. Uh, He was great in double a, a few years ago, uh, ran into, you know, some trouble in triple a. But uh, you know, I think, I think that, he's got a track record that's intriguing so i would definitely ride that hot hand
2: marlins positive run differential in last place and it's not because of their offense everybody uh fantastic <laughs> rotation uh hector naris the entire phillies bullpen it's a nightmare mm-hmm. hector naris gets removed as the closer and immediately gets to save opportunities um you know we already talked about joe girardi he's nuts And then Jose Alvarado is named the closer. He didn't have to be named the closer, but he was named the closer. And then after that happened, of course, Alvarado gets two chances – or Hector Neris gets two chances. Alvarado today comes in the eighth, and Archie Bradley gets the ninth. It should be noted that Alvarado did come in against the heart of the Mets order in the eighth in a non-save situation. So do you want anything to do with anyone in the uh in the Phillies uh, bullpen Lauren because it's uh, it's 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 not good.
3: It's no, it's a mess. You know, it's uh it's just it's it's I don't know what's going on over there. I think it's it's at a point where, you know, it's like, will Alvarado stick? I mean, one thing I think that right now Girardi just basically should be throwing guys out there, whether it's Connor Brogdon, who I think may be the future uh of Saves over there, um, you know, or Alvarado, you know, they've got Archie Bradley or let's not forget about Neftali Feliz, who has not played for four you know seasons, but he's he's back in the game. So I think that Girardi needs to just throw any of these guys up if and ride the hot hand. If someone sticks, someone sticks, you know? Um, but I do think uh, with regards to Alvarado, you know, him being a lefty, I think that that does have certain consequences because outside of him and Ranger Suarez, you know, it's just like, you're now removing, you know, one of your middle relievers, um, you know, when you need an out via a lefty. So I don't, and for that reason also, I'm just like, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure Alvarado will stick. Um, but I also am curious to see what Andrew has to say about it because Andrew writes a weekly closer report for Fantasy Pros, and I'm sure that you have little tidbits that I that I haven't spoken about yet. He's like, he's like the, my closing guru, so he's the Lauren. guy that I always go to.
0: Thank you for the plug, Lauren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, if I know we talked about things we got right at the beginning of the show, but uh, I, I did. I have been saying all season long. Uh, that the Phillies purposely brought in uh, Jose Alvarado and Archie Bradley as Hector Neris insurance because Hector Naris is a very volatile pitcher. He's a pitcher who can look incredible for a two-month run and then just have a complete meltdown uh, where he's unusable both in fantasy and reality uh for a month and and that's just the pitcher that he is and he's uh he's going through one of those periods right now um you know I, it was uh it was creeping up um because his he was getting wild uh and kind of setting up some trouble for himself but speaking of wildness he has even in his most wild uh periods he has not been half as wild as Jose Alvarado and Archie Bradley this season uh, those guys cannot Throw strikes, So I don't think either of those guys is going to run away with that closer job when they're walking almost a batter per inning. There's just no way. Uh, so I don't care about the fact that Jose Alvarado is left-handed. I care about the fact that he is going to put himself in positions where if he makes one mistake, it's going to be a three-run homer instead of a solo homer because he can't find the strike zone. So uh, I I think if you look at the underlying numbers, as much as uh, Hector Naris is volatile, it's hard to argue that he's he hasn't been the best of those three so far this season. Uh, so I I think if I had to bet that he will get that job back eventually.
2: You know what? I don't, I mean, I don't really want to roster any of them. If I was desperate for saves, I wish today didn't happen because after the Narris and Alvarado stuff, I was going to, I plan on throwing a lot of dollar shares out there for Archie Bradley, who's the guy I actually thought would be the closer in the beginning of the season. For the same reasons Lauren said, I thought Alvarado would be disqualified because when Juan Soto's up with two men on in the 7th or 8th, why aren't you using Alvarado? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of disqualifies him versus some lefties. So I thought that that would take him out. And Hector Neris is a little bit of a dumpster fire at times. Archie Bradley has been terrible, though, this season. So mm-hmm. that's kind of taken it out. Know, I, I would have just, like, in a 15-team league, maybe put a buck on Bradley to you know escape with some vulture saves while Possibly ruining your ratios, which a lot of people have. You know the ratios are already toast. Maybe you don't have to worry about it. But um, I don't want to. I don't want to roster any of these guys. Yeah. Uh, going into a couple of hitters, we spent the entire show basically on pitchers. Let's <laughs> talk about a couple of hitters. Keston Hira. I am irrationally optimistic about this guy. I don't care. I mean, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, shame on me again. Fourth time's a charm. Let's go. Uh, he's hit a couple of home runs. He only, only had a 25% strikeout rate in AAA this last time, which is an improvement. Uh, he just, he's a barrel machine. And if I, if you can acquire him for nothing, why not? I mean, where, where he was dropped, I picked him up. So, uh, so Lauren, heck, uh, Keston uh, is he someone that, that interests you? Or is he a guy that you've washed your hands of?
3: I've washed my hands of him. I mean, Andrew and I were talking about this not too long ago. And I was just like, you know, I don't, I just don't really want to go near him. I just can't trust it. I think he's got a lot of holes in his profile, and um, you know, it's it's the K rate. It just that just is kind of where it all starts with me, and I just don't think it's good. And his contact, I'm just out. I just am, and he's kind of yo-yoing between you know AAA and MLB or MLB the majors, and I just think that I don't know. I'm I. I'm out. And I know that, you know, I know that he had, you know, his, his um, was it 2019 uh, where he was, was great. He hit, you know, three Oh three and he had 19 home runs. He stole nine bases. I, I think he had I 50, just,
2: I think it like 50. I think he had 50 between the minors and the majors. That was a crazy uh, year. Yeah,
3: actually. Yeah, you're right. And it's just like, but I just, I would say the fool me once fool me twice, but I I'm flipped. I'm on the other side. I'm like, I'm out
2: i definitely don't trust him i'm excited but i mean as far as this this week if i didn't get him in my bidding and i got hunter renfro instead i'm i'm fine with that Mm -hmm. so i mean that's kind of where i'm at right now keston here obviously has a tremendous ceiling uh but as far as rest of season rankings go, uh yeah I, i can't really get in there um Eduardo Escobar. He was not in today's lineup for the Diamondbacks, according to uh, the, uh, White Sox, uh, uh, the White Sox. The uh, White Sox. What's his name? Chuck Farron, uh, He said that uh, he is expecting Eduardo Escobar to get traded. At least that's what Escobar thought himself. And there's been a lot of rumors that the White Sox would be where he would be heading. They have a, you know, just a jackload of injuries that are holding them back. And it makes all the sense in the world for them to try to acquire him. Would that change his fantasy value much? Um, for either of you, I guess, starting with you, Lauren, I mean, he has like a 250 average. He has a, he has a ton of holes in his swing as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually just brought his average up to like 250. It was, it was in like the basement for a while, but again, the league wide batting average was in the basement for a long time too. But he has like, I don't know the top of my head, 17, 18 home runs, if I'm not mistaken,
3: 17, yeah.
2: 17. So, I mean, moving to that white Sox lineup um, Mm -hmm. is that boost in RBIs and runs make him super interesting to you, or you think he just turns into a more expensive, just a more expensive version of what he is, which just makes him too expensive.
3: (laughs) Well, see, I always think that he's been undervalued a lot. You know, I think he's, I, to me, I always feel like he's kind of a forgotten man, you know, Um, you know, we're like two seasons removed, you know, from a 35 Homer, you know, season. And I just, I don't know, for some reason, I thought he was low. He was valued uh, low this year. I think, You
2: know, I think just to your point and you Uh continue, I think what started that was in 2019, the big year that kettle Marte had, Escobar Mm -hmm. had his kind of big, Official breakout as well. Whereas that's when Stackcast really started to take off a of baseball savant and everyone mm-hmm. looked at it like, all right, Marte's legit and Eduardo Escobar's not. And I think he just kind of got scarlet lettered, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and people yeah. just never let that go. Well, like, huh. you know, I just, I, I think that's just kind of happened. Like, all right, you're not for real. And then it was just pegged that way.
3: Yeah. That, I mean, that could be. Yeah. I don't know. I, but I, yeah, I just thought he was kind of undervalued this year. Um, I like him. Why not? I mean, I think that, uh, Sure, I think his arrows go up a little bit and if he's going to the south side, you know. um I think uh, it's a good lineup. And um, I think it's probably probably a good move for him in in real life as well as fantasy,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I think unless you play in an NL only league, you should definitely be rooting for this to happen. Uh, he's I agree with you, lauren. he's he's sort of like a modern day Dan Ugla. He's an underappreciated <laughs> Ugla. second baseman yeah. that can hit some home runs. Uh the, the thing about it is even without Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert in the lineup, the, Roy, the White Sox have been a top 10 scoring offense. And we know the Diamondbacks, uh I, offense hasn't been their only problem. Uh, but that's an upgrade in, in in supporting cast, even with the without those star players around him. It's gonna mean more RBIs for him. Uh also in terms of ballpark factors, uh, the White Sox uh, have one of the best for home runs. And ever since there's been a humidor. Uh, in Arizona, it's not—it's—it's it's actually not a bad park for overall offense, but for home run factor in particular, it's one of the worst. So I think, you know, he's on pace now to come pretty close, or maybe even match that 35 home runs he hit in 2019. And now, if he does move to Chicago, it will increase my confidence that he can actually uh, reach that 35 homer plateau again.
2: All right, question. Moving to from the Diamondbacks, literally like one of the worst teams ever um, (laughs) to to Chicago on the surface just seems like a no brainer slam dunk move. He's batting third for the Diamondbacks. And when there's anyone on base, no one else is around to hit him in but him. Um, Is there a concern that moving to Chicago where he very well could be batting seventh or eighth uh, at a certain point? Does that counteract the positive move to Chicago in itself?
3: I was going to ask about where he was going to be in the lineup um, because. I mean, he could, he yeah, could, bat, I mean, when he, first moves over,
2: he could bat second. Cause right now they have like Tim Anderson. They have like Brian Goodwin batting yep. second, then Moncada, Abreu, mm-hmm. Grandal. So, I mean, he could actually be at the very top. So this could be a moot point, but if he's buried down there in like, the, you know, the six, seven, eight, especially when they're healthy, um, you know, cause uh, Jose Abreu, we don't know how long, if he'll be out or not, he just hurt his mm-hmm. knee, but whatever. I, that looks like it's a minor thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to bat in a plum spot in the lineup if they go out and trade for him. I mean, Yerman Mercedes has really declined since his amazing start at the beginning of the year. Uh, Yasmani Grandal is there, is hitting cleanup and he's betting under 200, you know, and Yon Mankata is a player who uh, I think has been a little bit of a disappointment this season as well. Andrew Vaughn has not had the breakout that many of us were hoping for. Uh, so, I, you know, they've scored a lot of runs somehow, uh, but I think they actually do kind of need a bat in the middle of the lineup right now, at least until they get those two stud superstars back.
2: All right. So we've gone about an hour, which is about twice as long as I'm I'm really supposed to go. And we haven't even gotten to the other half of the show yet, which is basically what to do next week. So we're actually going to go rapid fire and I'm going to kind of ask for like a quick, I'll go alternate between the two of you and kind of get your thoughts. Just kind of give, you know, try to limit it to, to uh, to a sentence. I'm looking at you, huh. Andrew. Um <laughs> all right. So uh the upcoming week for 12 team pitchers. Uh we'll start here. Jamison Tyon's got the uh the Angels and Mets. Uh, Lauren, uh, how confident are you in Jamison Tyon and how he's doing versus the Angels and Mets this week?
3: Um kind of confident, you know. I mean, he has two earned runs or less in his last two starts, but the issue for me is innings. He's he's not getting them. He hasn't pitched more than six and a third. Um uh well he's only done that twice i think in 14 games so um and that's understandable because he's had tommy john twice but uh, i'm like eh about it yeah i
2: get eh. that speaking of eh, nick Pavetta, the <laughs> ultimate eh, uh andrew who gets kansas city and oakland uh one good one bad ish i guess uh nick Pavetta, how do you like him for a two-star week this week 12 teams
0: yeah, I would take him over Jamison Tyone. I, I've never really understood the hype around Jamison Tyone. Uh, sometimes I think the hype around Nick Pavetta has been mind boggling too. But at least he does give you that high strikeout rate. He should get the run support uh, with that offense backing him up. Uh, and those matchups, even even the Oakland matchup, I don't think is too bad. So uh, for two starts, I'll, I'll roll with that.
2: I don't think there's any hype around Pavetta. I think it's just Vlad Sedler, just one man hype. He literally <laughs> yes. hypes him up so much that that's he's just it's a bubble of hype. Uh, Lauren, Danny Duffy at Boston and Minnesota. I love Danny Duffy. I've actually like been begging for this for like a long time. I'm glad he's back. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the innings problems with Tyone. That's my concern with Duffy. I, I mean, I don't even know if he can make it to five.
3: Exactly. And now that he's been kind of anointed a hybrid pitcher and uh, he said he's pumped about that, you know, he can be starting games, but you don't know how long he'll be going. And he's also going to be coming out of the bullpen and they want to watch, you know, him coming off of that forearm uh, flexor strain. So I, I would like him more if he wasn't now the new hybrid pitcher in Kansas City. Yeah,
0: he's not, he's not going to pitch five innings anytime soon. He's like Christian Javier. So Mm -hmm. there's value Mm -hmm. there, but.
2: Uh, Andrew, here's a picture. I want to get your opinion on Caleb Smith because uh, he strikes people out, has a bit of a control problem, but he's kind of figured it out a little bit. They they sent him to the bullpen earlier this year, which I was semi psyched about because I thought maybe if they focused his attention on just a couple of things, maybe he could hone in his uh his um his command and maybe even be like a late you know a late bullpen guy. But anyway, he's back in the rotation. He gets the Cardinals, which they're kind of their own. Their own laughing track uh, for a while here versus the Giants, which they're, they're no joke this year. So, uh, Caleb Smith, two step Cardinals, Giants, are you in or out on that?
0: Yeah, I'll go for it. I mean, he's a player that I've actually sort of been, and you mentioned the strikeouts. He's a player I've sort of been intrigued by for a long time. I think that. Uh, unfortunately he was on the Marlins back before they figured out the code of how to turn all their pitchers into great fantasy assets but uh but you know i think i think he's uh he's due for some pretty significant regression over the rest of the season and has essentially no shot at a win ever uh but you know he will give you the strikeouts he's pitching well right now two starts sure go for it
2: all right, uh 15 team pitchers. We're just gonna alternate real quick. You just say <laughs> if you bother or not. Uh it, it, there's not strong options in 15 teams. This is mm-hmm. if you're desperate, you need wins. You know, you need innings. Uh these are a couple pitchers that can do it. Oh, Lauren, Michael King gets the Angels and Mets.
3: I'm not really excited about that. Um no, just as, as a quick answer. No, I'm out. <laughs> uh,
2: uh Andrew, you get a couple here. Eli Morgan and JC Mejia. They get the 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 Tigers and the Tigers yay and then they get the Astros uh,
0: I, I I can't I can't endorse that I'm sorry you're th- these options are making me glad I don't play in 15 <laughs> team leagues
2: <laughs> all right so uh, a, a little safer away from the two steps here Lauren how about Eric Lauer the exciting Eric Lauer he gets the well, he potter. played well
3: today he yeah. played well today you know it was against the Rockies um he's walking a little bit more than you'd like to see but it's really that long ball that's killing him um but sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? It's against Pittsburgh. Although, wait, can I just say this real quickly? When I was looking into some pirates research today, did you guys know that the the uh, top four guys in that order, um, you know, Frazier, Key Brian Hayes, um, Colin Martin or Moran and uh, Brian Reynolds, did you know that they're, they're all hitting over 280? It's between 281 and 325. I was like, wait, what? Like that's, they deserve to say.
2: have multiple All-Stars, and they're not going to get it. That's and they crazy. It.
3: Yeah.
0: And yet they're okay, last anyway. in scoring offense in all of baseball.
3: I know. I thought that was I the don't... Mets. Oh.
0: Runs per game, I know the Pirates are last. Oh. Yeah.
2: But, yeah, the Pirates, are surprisingly entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. ty- how about, uh, Andrew, uh, Tyler Anderson from the Pirates face in Milwaukee?
0: Uh, no. Give me Eric Lauer instead, please.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, the last thing I just had for everyone is if you're looking to stash – uh, someone um, which you know fab has already went by so it's not necessary we are talking about zach thompson I like tyler mcgill of the mets he mm-hmm. really went through the minor league system really quickly I don't know how long he'll be up do not start him this week against the braves um, That could go very badly for you, but uh, he looked great last time out. They're shipping him out there again again mm-hmm. That was against the braves his first start mm-hmm. I don't know why they're giving him the braves again. They actually could have flipped him and uh And uh, <laughs> can't think of the former philly on our own team uh god I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, we're letting it go, uh, but uh, they could have they could have allowed McGill not to uh, face the Braves two times in a row. That's very dangerous. So to end the show uh, quicker, uh, just some hitters to start. I'm just going to roll through these because we're going mm-hmm. through a little, little, uh, a little long here. Uh, some hitters to consider starting this year um, if you are picking between you know superstars. Uh, Rockies they have four home games: CJ Chrome, Brendan Rogers, Daza, and if you feel so inclined, Josh Fuentes. Um, Pirates they get three games. At cores, so uh, Gregory Polanco, he gets three righties. Colin Moran, Kevin Newman, if you're desperate, because you know middle infield can get really iffy. He's mm-hmm. a good guy, especially for the Monday through Thursdays, which I'm talking about for NFBCs. The Red Sox, they get three left-handed pitchers early in the week. Hunter Renfro, Bobby Dalback, Kike Hernandez, who took uh, a cold deep today on pitch one. And Indians, they actually have not a bad setup. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, um, Cesar Hernandez, Bobby Bradley, I had someone else on here, but he was in a horrible collision off. I hope – did you guys see that,
0: uh, Josh Naylor? I just heard people yeah. freaking out about uh, on look, I, I, it on Twitter. I, mean, I, I just not to watch. Yeah. yeah, I hope
2: he's okay. Um, hitters to sit real quick. The Rays only have two games for the Monday through Thursday. That means you sit everybody. Wander Franco, sit him. Austin Meadows, sit him. It's only he, They only have two games. Sit him. Uh, Orioles, three games against three right-handed pitching. As hot as he is, Ryan Mountcastle could be a sit. If you have another option, who's playing four games with a decent matchup, just be careful. If you're, you know, looking there, I mean, every bats matter big time. Anthony Santander, is, Santander is in the same boat. The Braves got three games. They're facing three right-handers, so Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley are possible sits. Uh, Dolas Garcia, three games, two right-handed pitchers against Oakland, and then the Cubs. They only got three games, three right-handed pitchers uh, against Milwaukee, though. So um, I know Anthony Rizzo left injured, but even if he's healthy, even against right-handed pitching, that's a tough pitching staff that they're going to have to face with Burns and Woodruff, Baez, Bryant, Hap, all possible sits in a Monday through Thursday if you have other options. So that ends circling the bases for the, the Wake and <laughs> recap. Uh, Andrew, Lauren, thank you so much for going on. So before we uh, – we sending everyone home – Uh, tell everyone where they can find you specifically on Twitter uh, and just recap where they can find your website and uh, where they can find you guys. I guess starting with you, uh, Lauren.
3: Sure. Well, thank you again for having us. Um, You can find me, my Twitter handle is LK Auerbach. And if you want to check out Andrew and I's rankings, you can check out um, our website at rosrankings.com. And there we also do a waiver wire and a mover and shaker article. And then of course we've got our, our podcast, the rest of season rankings podcast, and that's on Sirius and Apple.
0: Spotify and Apple.
3: I'm sorry, Spotify and Apple. <laughs> Not on serious, yeah. <laughs> Spotify.
0: How about you, Andrew? Yep, I'm uh, on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter, and yeah, check out our pod. Check out our. We'll have new rankings up early next week uh, for us to season value. And like Lauren said, a couple articles going up on that site uh, every week as well. Mm-hmm.
2: And for anyone not, uh, watching on video, he says Andrew underscore Seifter for anyone who's not exactly sure that is S E I F T E R just to make sure. Uh, so everyone follow me on Twitter at, um, Matt Williams, M E T T W I seven, seven IMS. Make sure to download the NBC sports edge app. If you're excited about rookies constantly getting called up or as the trade deadline approaches, turn on notifications. You'll see everything happen as it happens. Uh, thank you, uh, Andrew and Lauren, everyone go download, subscribe to their podcast, Go to their website. They're awesome people that know what they're talking about. So thank you very much for both of you for coming on.
3: Our pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, happy to be here.
2: All right. Everyone, make sure to download and subscribe to the NBC Sports Edge Circling the Basis podcast for five days a week. And we'll be back next Monday with the uh, Weekend Recap. See you, everybody.